this episode of the Brush Builders Union podcast. I'm your host, Simon Berman, General President of the Brush Builders Union. And this month, I am joined by professional artist and model maker, Jason Eaton. Uh, Jason, really great to talk to you, man. How are you doing? Hey, pretty good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. You know, it's uh, it's Saturday or whatever a Saturday means in the world anymore. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm uh, going to talk to you about the cool stuff you're making. So I'm, I'm having a pretty good day. Yeah, yeah. Saturday and Sunday are the days that I don't walk over to the other desk where my work laptop is. It's that's right. <laughs> weird. I, and I was saying to my wife, like, I, it, I don't know if it's as good or not, but like I'm used to the routine now. And like now it feels normal to be doing what I'm doing right now. And, and I'm so grateful and thank, you know, every deity under whatever that I'm getting paid and I'm doing my job remotely. That's amazing. But yeah, for sure. Every once in a while, I still do step back. Usually what, today we went to the grocery store and then I remembered, oh, right. The world is insane right now. Yeah. <laughs> God, why is it so hard to get strawberries? You know, like what is happening? It's, so. it's definitely a, a strange time. <laughs> but uh, for, for a little background, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? I mean, you, I've, you know, uh, I think some people may have seen some of the amazing um, scale model work you've done online. You know, I actually I was looking through your galleries and I realized I'd actually seen your um the uh, the Hades refinery from Blade Runner uh, replica you'd made, which is a really, really beautiful piece. Yeah, I'd seen that floating around in a model group a, a while back. But um, that's cool. Yeah, I, I it's it fascinates me when somebody says, "Oh, I saw your thing there," and I'm like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." That's amazing. Like, because a lot of stuff that I do, I feel like I do it sometimes in a vacuum with just my buddies, and then it just sort of, I do barf a lot of stuff onto the web, so I know it goes out there. But it is kind of neat to see it sort of you know land back at home sometimes um yeah i make models i've made models since i was a little kid uh it, it sort of like lost interest in it uh, as a teenager when i was like oh i want to understand guitars and girls and you know like failed at both of those kind of you know same yeah what are you gonna do and then i vividly remember uh, and and my jam is Star Wars. I'm 46, and uh, you know that's I'm in that age group where it's like religion, you know, to a lot of kids and adults. And uh, I I think it was 90, 90, 91, 90. I was I think I was still in high school, and the Timothy Zahn books came out, uh, and it was oh, sure. Shadow, Thrawn, yeah, yeah, Shra- yeah, Thrawn, and all that stuff. And I I remember like reading them. And thinking like, oh, right, Star Wars. I love Star Wars. And it's that I remember that must have hit everybody the same way because it just started building. And then like Galoob came out with those bendy toys. And then they started coming out with those really weird He-Man action figures, you know, like they were like really muscly. And I got really into that, like, again, like, oh, my God, I want to make models. And I'd always idolized Industrial Light and Magic's crew like i loved those guys i thought what they did was amazing i had making of books when i was a kid i had the joe johnson sketchbooks i you know like studied that i wanted to be that and i guess i knew enough instinctively to know that that world was sort of going away post jurassic park um which was all happening sort of at the same time i guess um but really what i always had wanted to do was make those ships and as i started getting more and more acquainted with the universe, I guess, uh, the internet was happening. And uh, I got into the internet uh, with my roommate around like 95, I want to say. And it was all very primitive. And everybody was sort of, you know, like coalescing into chat groups. And then it became message boards. And I fell in, I found the R2D2, R2D2 builders group uh, and was like, holy cow, these guys are like actually making R2D2s. That's incredible. And that swiftly showed me the RPF, which is the replica prop forum. And there was a subset of guys that were like identifying the recipe that you would need to make, you know, an X-Wing or a Star Destroyer or whatever. And it was all still very, yeah, it was all still really early days. It was Wild West. Everybody was like very aggro. And that was back when the internet was like, it doesn't count. It's not real life. You can be a monster to somebody and it doesn't count. So there was a lot of like alpha male nonsense going on. And the scene to this day still has a lot of like ex-military weirdos in it, which I find like giggly and funny because I'm like all soft and Hello Kitty. <laughs> like, as a general, like, I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, guys? And they're all like, whatever, guy. And I'm like, ha <laughs> But I realized like in 99, I guess, 98, 99, I was like, oh, my God, I could build this stuff. Like, this is possible. And it just snowballed. And then by 2000... Uh, the RPF was an amazing place because it was populated with uh, 
weirdos, actually skilled, talented people, lookers, looky loos, whatever, and industry like special effects guys. And, uh, you know, like I knew Adam Savage way before Mythbusters were friends. And it was like, he was just another guy that had worked at uh, another guy that had worked at ILM. There were those guys, but like he he was not, he was not the sort of celebrity that he is now. He was a a screen name that had industry experience and was very kind and generous and smart and exciting. Uh, And, you know, we hung out and, and traded info and, you know, excitement and stuff like that. And uh, it was just a really cool time. And I fell in with the right people and I fell in with the wrong people and I made enemies and I made friends. But I ended up by 2003, I want to say, getting a gig with Master Replicas as a a consultant or whatever I guess I was. Uh, And they started flying me to Skywalker Ranch to reference the original stuff. Oh, wow build replicas yeah and suddenly it's like holy shit i'm in it i'm in the real i'm in the street like i remember i was dating my now wife and we had only been dating for literally about a month maybe two and uh, maybe three and it was some holiday weekend we were gonna hang out and i got this call that was like hey we need you to spend your entire weekend doing a paint master for us and a paint master is basically they send you an unpainted sample or three you paint each one exactly the same one goes to China for reference for paint. One goes to Toy Fair and the other one stays. Uh, if there's a third, the other one stays for photography at the company. And, uh, you know, I said to her, like, I, I have to do this is my calling. I have to do this. And, she's, right. and she totally understood and basically just hung out and watched me do it. And I was like, I'm going to marry this woman. <laughs> like, <laughs> incredible. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of went from there. Like, and now I'm at this point where, like, it snowballed and now I'm friends with those ILM guys. And like, we like, it's like the ones that I know, some of them are like, Hey Jason, what's up? When I see them like once every year, once every whatever, but there's guys that I talk to like every week and it's they're friends. Like, and when you step back, you're like, Holy shit, this is the guy that built the millennium Falcon. And he's just like, you know, sending me like a funny meme. (laughs) It's really really bizarre. It's like, Oh, he's just people. He's real, you know, but like, I don't know. It's really, it's really cool. Um, I don't know how it happened. Whenever somebody asks, how did you do that? I'm like, ah. there's, I say, you know, like it's a component of, and I literally say this, it's luck, it's skill, and it's don't be a dick because there are guys out yeah. there that are way more talented than me, but they're jerks and people know it and the doors close. And I have absolutely faltered in the you know, 15, 20 years that I've been doing this. And have, you know, like made an enemy or done something wrong and have like had to like rebuild or whatever. But like, I don't know if you're nice. A lot of doors open. It's really weird. No, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. Sorry. I'm also a babbler. So I don't know if that was like way too much, way too fast. No, that's great. This is a podcast. So the more you talk, the less I have to. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, no, that's, that's really a, sort of a great background. Um, so, you know, so you got, you kind of got in with the Skywalker Ranch group and wh- what were those paint masters you were doing for them? If you don't mind me asking, uh, for master replicas, I did, uh, the Adat Walker. I did the snow speeder. I did preliminary work on the Y wing. I didn't do the paint master for that. I did consulting on like the, the, the actual product. And then, um, the paint master hit when I was on my honeymoon. So someone else did that. Um, that was a rare moment where I was like, there's a line in the sand, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not going to cross that one. Um, and uh, what else? The, I worked on the Enterprise, the 1350 scale Enterprise, like consulting. I don't think I did any. I didn't do any paint work on that. A lot of little things, uh, just various prop stuff. But the uh, I worked on the 32-inch the Empire Falcon, which I'm totally not a fan of now. I really like the five-footer that, you know, from A New Hope with the three uh-huh. gear if you know like if there's like a litmus test you know it's like do you like the three gear falcon or the five gear you know i'm definitely in the three camp which is good to know yeah that's that's drilling down pretty deep yeah <laughs> so um just so just to clarify so the, these the consulting you were doing for these was for uh scale models that have been sold in in stores and such correct 
Master Replicas sold high-end replicas. I think it was basically web-based. Uh, there was a store called Another Universe. I think it was a chain of them. I remember them, yeah. Yeah, and I think you could get them there. It wasn't like something you could get at Toys R Us or anything. Um, right, they're display pieces, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for grown-ups. Um, and I also did work for, and still do sometimes, for Sideshow. Um Sideshow does a lot of figural stuff. I'm more of a hardware guy. So if there's like an R2D or, you know, R5D4 or a Zuckus or something, they'll throw it at me. Um, and uh, I've been told that I have a good reputation for doing what I'm supposed to. <laughs> so if they uh-huh. tell me, like, it's interesting. Sometimes you get the the brief and they're like, we need you to paint this, da, 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 da. And I have such a weird, deep nerd well of knowledge about some of this stuff. Or I have a friend that does that I can call on. Sometimes I'll come back with this actually wasn't brown or it was blue, but the lighting made it look brown. So what do we do? Uh-huh. And they, they appreciate that, you know, because there are weirdos out there that'll be like, it's not the right color. You sure. Know, freak. And like, I'm there to like, maybe hopefully like head that off of the past. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But if they, you know, say paint it pink, I'll be like, all right, it's your thing. Right. I'm pink. Whatever. Which weirdly, uh served me well when i was recommended (laughs) i was in the running to restore the enterprise for the air and space museum (laughs) and hold on so when you say restore the enterprise do you mean restore like the the prop enterprise from the the, show or the movies yeah the 11 foot filming model from the 1960s that sits at the air and space museum in a big oh wow yeah it was crazy i got a phone call and the, the guy was like are you sitting down i'm like should i and he's like, well, he's like, you're in the running. You need to put together a brief and you need a Dunn's number for the government and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, what? You know, because they're a government entity. So I had yeah. to like become like, you know, vetted or whatever. And that's that was fine. Um, and it, and I, I work. I have a day job with the NIH. So I understand, like, am I just like in this so that there's another like, you know, you have to go to three people and get the best bid. Like, am I just like a mechanism here? And uh-huh. the, the curator <laughs> you know because that's fine sure the the curator was like no you literally were like the runner up you had the credentials your bid came in under a good you know number whatever you had a good plan but i lost (laughs) to ilm (laughs) i was like i remember yeah i got got, exactly i got the phone call from the curator and he was like hey i've got bad news you didn't get it i was like oh that's fine because you know half of me was like holy shit like this is going to be amazing and the other half of me was like holy shit they're going to hate me because yeah. no matter what you do there will be some weird dudes with suspenders that will follow you around for the rest of your life yelling at you because you painted it wrong and you know usually i'm just like fuck off like whatever but it's just how it is and i was like then and the guy that recommended me for the job was like you have plenty of people that hate you so i know that you can handle the heat <laughs> i was like is that a compliment <laughs> like what all right cool but um, yeah, I was like, oh, I lost to ILM. That's fine. Like the people that built all the other enterprises, like it's happy just to be nominated, you know, like. Yeah, I that's got a fair my, cop. Yeah, exactly. I got to my cake and eat it too. And the weird thing is um, I then became friends, pretty good friends with the people that worked on it after the fact, like a year or two. And like I told them, I was like, you know, I'm the guy that lost out to you. And they thought that was hilarious. <laughs> they were like, ah, ah. And then, and then the, the, the they were like, well, you should have let us know. You could have come and hung out or helped. And I'm like, I didn't know you. Like, it just didn't sync up or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, whatever. That's, that's still cool to be, you know, to have even have the chance for that opportunity, though, right? Like, literally an honor. A lifetime stuff. Yeah, an honor to be nominated. Yeah, that was fine. So yeah. You've done some other prop restorations, haven't you? Yeah, I um I don't have it on my website, but I did a restoration of the Jabba sail barge mechanism. <laughs> so it was like a mock-up of the giant sail. It was like maybe three feet long. I can't remember how big it was. So that was That's cool. cool. Yeah, I've uh, restored the McKinley station for for uh, that was in the very first episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. It was stored, it was built by Greg Jean, who I know. And I've talked to about it and, and showed him pictures of how it looked after it was pulled out of storage. And he was like, you know, <laughs> idiots, they, they put yeah. it upside down. And, and so like, you know, the, 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 the sheer forces, just gravity pulled the thing apart. So I had to like sort of 
shore it up and put it back together. Um, and that was very gratifying to do is that you want to do a sympathetic restoration where you want to keep as much of the original paint and patina as you can. But, you know, if some, something, something's missing, it's like you have to graft into there. So uh, the, I worked with, it was, it's privately owned by a collector. And I worked with him very closely and was like, this is what I plan to do. I'm going to pull out the neon, but I'm going to put in LEDs so it's much cooler and you can plug it in and keep it on all day. And he's like, perfect. So that was fine. Um, and then I've done, I there was a Death Star Tower uh, from 1976 from Star Wars that was missing a gun. So I refabricated that. And while I had it on my bench, I asked him, I was like, do you, is it cool if I just like make a pad, like copy it and make a replica? And he's like, yeah, knock yourself out. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, and then the X-Wing Pyro Master pattern was damaged in shipping. And that came to me this year or late last year. I don't know. It's all fluid now. I guess it was late last year. And, um, and I restored that. And that was very gratifying. Very funny, too, because for years and years and years, the community has tried to get the X-Wing like nailed. And it's, we've all been working with like third generation copies and they've shrunk by a couple inches. And suddenly I have something on my bench. That's like, that's the pattern. That's the master, but it's for the pyros, which are the models that were made to blow up. So it's like one removed generationally mm. from the heroes and the hero was my champ. So I was talking to an ILMer previous to getting this gig by like a couple months, maybe. And he had seen me on Facebook wanting to make the hero X-Wing as close as I could. And he's like, hey, I'm cleaning out my storage and I found some X-Wing stuff. Do you want it? <laughs> and I went, wow. yes, please. You know, he's like, I don't know if it'll be useful. And I'm like, okay, okay. So he mails it to me like regular USPS mail. It wasn't priority. Oh, no. <laughs> it, was in, it was in a used Amazon, like a recycled Amazon box. It, the parts were were wrapped in literally like like newspaper flyers, you know, from the grocery store or whatever. Oh man. And it was a hero top shell that was warped because it's been in storage, a pyro side casting, a piece of one of the screen used Y wings that was blown up. We we have affectionately called triangles and uh, a bunch of pyro X wing wings and uh, some tie fighter solar panel material. <laughs> and I'm looking at this stuff like, this is like 20 grand, like at auction. Like, what the fuck? And he was like, it's, it's, it was in my closet, dude. I need to get rid of this stuff. And I know that you will reference the stuff and remake it. And he's like, he literally had said, and this was, if I do nothing else in my life, I will remember this moment. He said, this is like, you're, this is the passing of the torch because you're keeping it alive. You're the next generation of this kind of stuff and you're doing it right. And I, you know, like oh, wow. that. Yeah, that's the kind of thing where like I like teared up and was like, you know, like, God, how do I parse that like kind yeah. of sentiment? But, you know, suddenly I've got a hero shell in my hand and that's that's it. That's patient zero. That's the f right out of the mold. Like you can't get any better. Um, so just if I for, for a moment, uh, what exactly do you mean by hero? OK, sorry. Um, so there were the a hero model is the best version of something it's designed to be shown in close up. It usually has like, so with the X wings, it had the lights, it had the motors, uh, it had the best paint jobs. Uh, a pyro is usually a quicker, dirtier uh, version. That's just made to blow up. So the hero, gotcha. X -Wings, the hero X wings in a new hope, you know, had the wings that opened and closed. It had lights in a couple different places. And, uh, were made they were there were only four made i believe and they were all sort of unique um but they were big i mean like much bigger than like by about an inch to two inches than than all the replicas that have come out since so um, how, how big is that for reference I, all my audience they're listening they're um miniatures <laughs> players so they might have the total familiarity with the scale modeling and the, the movie uh, stuff. The, just the fuselage so bear in mind the engines you know stick out past that yeah a little bit in the back about 20 inches or so 19 and change i forget okay um uh, and then the noses were grafted on um sort of uniquely so every nose is different it's a nightmare for like accuracy hounds because like are you building red one are you building red five like they're, they're all different because nobody cared i mean this was like you know they were there was no attempt for insane accuracy because it was like it, no one it knew just a movie 
Yeah, no one knew that 40, 45 years later or whatever, some nerd was going to be like, I need to know the angle of the nose. You know, like, <laughs> well, I held it against the, the sander, you know, at this angle, and then I glued it on, dude. Like, right. Yeah. And so that one took a dive, up, you know, down and that one was pointed up or whatever. So the, the so from that, uh, a hero set of castings was glued together and then cut. Uh, so the heroes were top and bottom shell. The pyros were left and right. And so a hero shell was assembled, cut in half, uh, you know, vertically. So you're losing the kerf of the blade. And so all the pyros are skinnier because of that. Um, and then all the paneling was done and all the little chips were put on and that was locked in and that's a pyro. So I love the pyros, but you know, the nose is a little shorter and it all, (laughs) this is very personal, but it all basically boils down to that photo that was on my lunchbox in kindergarten. Right. (laughs) Red two being chased by the TIE fighter, (laughs) you know, that Ralph Macquarie like airbrushed the little like laser bolts. Like, so to me, like that's the X-wing that I've been chasing my entire life. So to have that sort of fall into my lap is like, it's just insane. And there's only two, yeah. there's only two known shells out there. And I have one of them. I'm sure there's more in those guys' closets somewhere uh, that'll eventually show up or whatever. But for now, like it's incredibly rare. So I, I went to a local place, spent, you know, like 500 bucks and had them insanely 3d laser scan everything and then we in the computer straightened everything out and we're making a replica of it. Um, and so in the next, I'd like to say three or four months, this has been like a year journey, but it's all starting to sort of pay off. Finally. Um, I, I would like to make a replica of a hero X-wing for the first time ever. Um, so we'll see. But um, so anyway, getting back to the pyro master landing in my lap, I'm looking at this like, I don't even need to measure this because like I'm one generation ahead of this. This was so, kind of bittersweet because if this had hit me two years ago, this would have been the be all end all. And suddenly sure. I'm looking at it like, like, Oh, I've been here. I know this. So I right. restored it and I took pictures. I haven't put it on my website. I should put it up there. Uh, I'm a little behind on that stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, that was cool. That was fun because it initially had been displayed on a board with the left and the right hulls, uh, sort of just mounted kind of like a, you know, like a fish or whatever. And when I put it back together, I said, do you want me just to sort of like assemble it? So it's more like an X-wing shape, like left and right together grafted, uh, because I'm going to have to shore this up with a lot of like epoxy anyway, because the pieces were like shattered. And he was like, yeah, that's cool. So it was kind of neat to sort of put it back together. And he's kind of happy about that. So that was gratifying. Cool. Yeah, Yeah, sure. That's really interesting stuff. So, you know, I, I, um, Kind of curious is, you know, as you approach your work as sort of as, as a scale modeler would, um, you know, is, is that your sort of basic foundational set of skills? Yeah, I guess. Um, fine art, too. I um, at the tender age of 13, I got a job. I don't know why I wanted to get a job. I should have, you know, like I wanted to work so badly. Um, and now I'm like, I don't want to work. But when I was 13, when I I had everybody under the sun, you know, sign off on my work permit for child labor purposes. And uh, I started working at an art store, which was within walking distance from my childhood home. And from 13 to 23, for 10 years, I worked at this mom and pop art shop and uh, they were amazing. Uh, It was like having seven moms and older sisters. I was the only boy and I was young. You know, like they were all at least 10 years older than me, probably. Um, so it was just amazing education. Like they taught me things from, Hey, maybe put the toilet seat down when you leave the bathroom. Like, like they taught me etiquette, (laughs) but then I also learned how all like media interrelate and don't interrelate with each other. Like they were very encouraging, like try the oils, try the watercolors, try encaustic, try, you know, the janting needle with, you know, batiking. Like I did it all over those 10 years and uh, like it that's all pre-digital pre-internet so i was like playing with paste up wax and, and amber lith and ruby lith and mechanical drawing and then i became a graphic artist like professionally and that sort of prepared me for that accidentally but then all the other fine art stuff prepared me for that in the freelance model work stuff i do so very fortunate that it all sort of shook out the way it did so i approach every project i guess from all different angles um 
it's really funny. Like the, the meat and potatoes of a lot of this stuff is being hyper accurate and making a replica of something. And while that is all well and good and gratifying, I've done it so many times that now I'm like, I want to make shit up. Like I'm tired a little bit of like slavish devotion to a bunch of grainy photographs and I'll never get it right. And there's always going to be a guy that's like, you painted it wrong. And, and right. while, you know, you like, okay, usually my response is thank you for the feedback. I can't wait to see yours, you know, cause like, <laughs> like you're ever going to make anything, yeah. dude. you know, go back to clattering your keyboard. But, um, sometimes the they're valid, but most of the time they're just kind of being jerks. But so I've started making more creative stuff, like stuff that was only ever like, I thought, okay, I've been wanting to do this all my life because I, you know, sort of idolized ILM. Well, now that I know these guys, and now that I know that a lot of them were like, why are you bending over backwards to give a shit about the shade of gray? Like, get it close and move on. And I'm like, oh, if you don't care, why do I care? Like, that's <laughs> incredibly liberating. Great. You know, like, they're like, just glue down a part and move on with your life. Christ. So, like, that's kind of cool. You know, like, that's it's sort of pushing me, like to build the things that uh, like only existed in drawings or like uh, paintings, like the Ralph Macquarie painting. So I'm sort of stretching out now and making things that never existed. And it's really funny to me because while it gives me an immense sense of satisfaction, I notice the hits online are so much lower. Like, so I make this thing and I'm like, I am so proud of this. And like, nobody cares, <laughs> which I find hilarious. <laughs> like the X-Wing that everybody has made that there's like 30 of, like, we'll get a bunch of like attention. And I'm like, why do you like, ugh, like, okay, cool. But like the stuff that's fresh and creative, a lot of the times just sort of like falls on deaf ears, which I find sad. But Yeah, that can be a bummer. I mean, I, I think, you know part of the problem there is people have attachments, you know, to an, an IP and intellectual property, right? Oh, if, they, yeah. if, they don't, if they don't have all that goodwill going into it, it's just like, Oh, this is a cool thing. Some dude made, even if, you know, it's a truly beautiful and astounding model. Yeah. 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 I, no, I, I, I do understand, I guess the psychology behind that. That's a very so, good point. So the solution for you, of course, is you need to have your own IP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. Like, okay. So also I am dealing with uh, really, messed up hands so they're getting worse and worse i've had like three hand surgeries i've got a fourth one on deck as soon as i can get an appointment um i've got like nerve damage and i've had carpal tunnel releases and it's like i I, like have loss of like function and power strength whatever um so that's very challenging and that actually pushed me to learning a lot of the 3d stuff because i realized oh i've destroyed my hands over the past 20 years sanding all day every day uh, let's make the robot do the work for me finally. So I finally, out of panic and scaredness, <laughs> like learned Rhino. And now I'm like building things in 3D and having a, my Form 2 printer printed out in resin. And then there's far less cleanup. Um, and then I also have the added benefit of everybody online saying, like, you just pushed a fucking button. You know, like they don't understand. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just another tool, like, like you know. <laughs> Totally ignoring the fact that, like, I can't do this stuff anymore, so thanks. Like, yeah. It's funny, in uh, in miniatures gaming, um, you know, it was all traditional sculpting until maybe 10, 12 years ago. That, that was really 90, 95% of the industry was doing that. Yeah. And um, because of the, the production issues, you know, all the major companies very rapidly moved to um, requiring, you know, 3D sculpts because it was easier for them to, you know, to edit and revise and, yeah. uh, before, they, before they go to production. Yeah. And it, it created this 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 relatively brief but kind of intense you know, sort of cultural war in the, in the sculpting portion of the industry between people who are like, oh, never sculpt in, in 3D. And uh, yeah. to my knowledge, about 90% of the guys are now sculpting almost all in 3D, which has been very funny to me to watch. Of course, yeah. I'm on um on Facebook. There's the Shiflet Brothers Sculpting Forum. I don't know if that's on your radar or not, but like that pops up, that... that uh, that that thread or whatever pops up every once in a while. Somebody's like, "What are what are your thoughts on people who use ZBrush versus clay and wax?" And immediately, like, there's like 90 posts like this thing again. Oh my god, shut up! <laughs> Clearly, it is an old debate that everyone has settled. <laughs> and like, and it, it's funny too because I feel like the only people who even bring it up anymore are people who aren't sculptors. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's a tool. It's a tool in your toolbox. I am a hundred percent positive that when the electric drill was invented, 
it was you know it wasn't the internet but i'm sure there was a woodworking group like meeting at the town hall that was like these drills that you plug in or they're the devil's work you know like yeah you know like if i'm not hand planing i'm not living like it's a tool guy <laughs> like come on like just you know if it gets if it gets the job done more efficiently i'm all for it it's not in fact, it lets you be more creative a lot of the time. I, I weirdly think, I mean, like the things that I can now do in 3d, I never would have attempted to scratch build because I either don't have a lathe or a mill or now literally I don't have the physical prowess to do it. Um, so it's for me, it's that or nothing. So, you know, when somebody's like, you just pushed a button, <laughs> like I want to engage and like murder them but i just kind of smile and go like you have no idea what you know what the lay of the land is bruh right <laughs> like and they're never they're never a creative they're never you know the person also building things they're an armchair you know quarterback kind of thing but yeah absolutely so, so yeah so like i recently built um i was working on something and i have the, the, when I went into quarantine, let me back up and speak English. When I went into to quarantine, like, I don't know, 64 days ago, I think it was, if I'm doing the math correctly, I was like, I need to do something to not go crazy. So I decided just to throw up a YouTube every day. And I was only going to do it for like a week or two just to give my like fear monkey brain something to do. And I've been doing it every day because now it's like, well, shit, if I don't do it, I've dropped the ball. You know how that goes. So like... I just did number 60 today, uh, which is terrifying. And I, I didn't do it like the first day. So I think like four days into it, I was like, I think I need to start doing this. Um, yeah. yeah. So I uh, was working on some stuff and you can go back into whatever episode it was where I'm like losing motor control while I'm trying to work on a, on a, a, a blockade runner thing. And I'm like screaming like, oh, I can't, ah! you know, like, damn it kind of thing. And I was like, all right, I need to be a little smarter about this and put that away and rest my thumb because I, I have developed a bone spur on my thumb that's impinging motion and it hurts. And that's the thing that I need to get addressed soon. But anyway, so I thought, okay, I need to work on something that I can do that doesn't hurt my thumb to keep from going crazy. You know, I joke to keep the voices at bay kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm going to put Star Wars aside for a week and it turned into like two or three weeks um, and make just scratch build some stuff with styrene. Cause I can, I have a huge like supply of random nonsense that I've collected over 20 years, model kit parts, whatever. Uh, and I could like clip them off the sprues and glue them together and sort of like make, I kind of said they were like almost like thumbnail sketches. I made just 10 little robot guys that are all like maybe, you know, six inches long at the most. And uh, I ended up like making them, painting them, weathering them. And I just finished yesterday. And so I'm looking at these 10 guys and I'm like, I made 10 little buddies <laughs> like, just as an exercise to keep my thumb from, you know, hurting more. And I think I've rested enough that I can come back to this, the blockade runner again. So I'm going to try that tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Today was the day where I cleaned the bench. Uh, so that was kind of crazy. But um, because it's so weird when like you finish a project and then you're like, you look around, you're like, wow, I trashed every surface. <laughs> oh, I don't, I, I don't want to talk about my hobby desk right now. Oh my God. Yeah, I, I, I live in a house that was built in 1925. I have pretty much the entire basement except for like the little laundry nook. And everything is just like in Japan, they call it the cockpit, like their little modeling area. And it looks usually in J in Japan, it looks like a like a fighter cockpit because they've got like a four foot by two foot space. But sure. like every square inch of this basement, and it's not very big, um, is like completely crammed as like smartly as possible, so I can like grab everything, um, you know, like economically, whatever. But um, yeah, I, I yearn for a workshop. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so that's definitely a good thing to have. So you, what goes into setting up your workspace? If you don't mind me asking. Um, just thinking about workflow for me, and it's changed uh, drastically over the years. Um, I'm a big fan of pulling everything in-house. Um, I have friends that have certain tools that I don't have, but, uh, and I, I just hate depending on somebody because, you know, if they're like, oh, I didn't get around to it today. 
and I'm in that creative zone, I don't want to hate them. Like, you know, like, oh, come on, dude. Like, make my thing. Ah! <laughs> you know, like, the only thing I don't have the ability to make in-house right now are decals. Um, so in 2012, I was building stuff for a client and uh, I was getting stuff laser cut and it wasn't happening fast enough for his satisfaction. You know, and I was like, well, all right. I could make 10 grand worth of shit for you over the next six months. Here's the roadmap. Bum, 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 bum. If you bought the laser cutter for me right now, this could all happen. And then when that period is up, I own it outright. And he, and he didn't answer. I just got the money in PayPal, like 10 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. He was a great client. (laughs) So I was like, holy shit, I got a laser cutter. So I got like the, what I call the, my first Sony of really nice laser cutters. It's an epilogue, which is made in Colorado, I believe. So it's an American, it's not a Chinese glass tube, crazy laser. That's going to, you know, needs to be water cooled or any of that nonsense. Right. It's a good one. Um, but the bed is only 12 inches by 16 inches, which which is why I call it like the my first Sony. You know, it's like baby's first laser. <laughs> sure. Um, it's not one of the big boy ones, but it has served me incredibly well. And I would say that 99% of my laser needs have been met. Every once in a while, there's something bigger that I need to farm out. Um, so when that happened, I was like, I need to bring everything in house. Like, why am I not just, you know, like doing yeah. that? So you know, on the, the means of production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like the only person that's letting themselves down is myself. And the and it, it uh, 12, 13, 14, 2015, between 2012 and 2016, I was like, I need to get in on this 3D stuff because my hands were getting worse. And I was just also curious about it. And I made a pact to myself, like, I need to learn the program before I buy the dumb machine. You know, like, I don't want to be that guy that Fair. buys I don't want to buy the sports car and then crash it into the wall, you know, like, or just will not use it. Um, so, and I'm also a believer in buying like the tool that gets out of my way. Like, I don't want to tinker. I don't want to buy the, the weird one that needs like 900 upgrades, you know, that you have to print a whole bunch of shit to make the printer better, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, no offense to the guys that love tinkering. I'm just not that guy. I just want sure. the tool to do my bidding. <laughs> And not mouth off. So I uh, I got a FDM printer and that's the kind that's like, it's what most people have, I guess. It's the, um, it's like a hot glue gun, you know, it uses the spool and it melts the material onto a little bed and, and it grows and they're finicky. I hate them. Um, but I got a, I got like the nice one. I got a uh, raise 3d is the company. It's fully enclosed. It's a heated, like, chamber it's 12 by 12 by 24 so i can build really big stuff um and i can build abs instead of pla so most like i'd say 80 to 90 percent of the people that i see 3d printing print in pla which is a plant-based uh very very forgiving material you don't need a heated enclosure you can print it just sort of like sitting in the room but it is so awful to sand and i had printed some things in pla prior to my buying the machine and I was like, if this is what sanding this material is like, I, this is not the scene for me because it like pills and it's just so much extra work. And I was like, if I could grow in ABS and not have it warp, that's I can weld to acrylic. It's styrene, essentially. Like it's completely like it's a just a different ballgame. It sands all right. Um, it You can sort of smear the surface with acetone and get it glossy like it gets rid of all the grow lines. So that opened up a door and then I got the form two printer, uh, which grows out of that like resin goo, uh, tray. And that the resolution on that is like bananas. Like it's incredible. So I, most of my stuff I grow on the form two now, like interesting. Yeah. Um, it's pretty like if you go on my website and look up, I think it's in the galleries, original works, sketchbook, Y wing, that entire thing was grown on the form two. Oh, wow. I saw that piece. Yeah. Minus like five or six parts. Um, Yeah. If you scroll down to the very bottom of the gallery there, I, I did the, I grew two, I I built and painted one. And then I had just the raw parts sort of spread out in front of it because, because I wanted to sort of show like my mom, like when she didn't understand what I was talking about, I showed her that picture. I'm like, all that crap became that. And she's like, oh, all right. That's nuts. That's, uh, 
that's kind of where I am right now. Like sure. with the workflow. So, so um, we, we talked a lot about, you know, how you um, convert and produce your parts and stuff. You know, what are your, what are your go-tos when it comes to actually painting your, your models? Um, it's funny. Like I, most people in my scene swear by enamels. I love using Tamiya or Tamiya, I guess the Japanese say it, Tamiya, but um, I love the Tamiya paints. Like they're, I have over, I don't know, for like 15 or 20 years, I guess that's all I've ever used. Um, I used to thin them with isopropyl alcohol. And then someone one day said, hey, Mr. Color Leveling Thinner, which is a lacquer thinner, uh, is completely um, friendly with the Tamiya stuff. And it's incredible because the leveling thinner has some sort it's almost like oily. I don't know exactly what's in it, but the Tamiya paint is like this weird chimera where it's sort of an acrylic, but it can also be kind of a lacquer. Um, I don't understand the, the chemistry involved, but if you thin Tamiya paint with Mr. Color, it acts like an enamel, but it dries like an acrylic and it's not interesting. And it's not stinky, which is like, you know, yeah. That's that's my number one like concern. Like, is it gonna you know, like getting woozy? I'm fine, but I don't want to like bomb the house and make my wife sad. Uh, right. she, she claims that I ruined her smell receptors years ago with all these solvents, but I can, <laughs> I can I, if I spray dull coat, she knows it. Even with yeah. my, even with my vent hood. So um, I use I use Tamiya Tamiya, and then uh, I only use the Tamiya Fine Primer. I uh, use their paints uh, for like base coats and stuff and then all weathering is either physically me chipping back with an exacto blade or uh applications of oil over top of it and that's like windsor newton oil paint that i have from college still uh, yeah i've been i've been messing with oils myself recently for weathering um you know I, I paint almost exclusively in acrylics which most um miniatures game hobbyists do yeah um, are you but, using uh, like um uh what is it like the viejo model color uh, there, that's one of, you know, I, I mostly use Citadel and uh, Formula P3, but I have, I have a number of Vallejos as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've used Citadel a little bit. Um, don't they like change their entire color range every once in a while and make everybody freak out? I mean, they do, but it's not quite as frequent as some people would have you believe. <laughs> um, I work with a couple Warhammer guys and they're always like, ah, you know, they, or they find it amusing. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They've got a good system, but um, the Vall- it all depends on what you're painting too. You know, if you're if you're doing a lot of um, historical miniatures, Vallejo tends to be a line that you'll you'll gravitate to because they, they tend to make a lot of uh, hues that work for those those you know, various yeah. historical periods very specifically. Um, but I think you know most people who paint seriously or regularly at least end up with you know a, a hodgepodge collection of colors that they just happen to like and shades from different lines and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I like anything that has a high pigment content. Um, it's funny, like. I still will go to that old school seventies testers little bottle of silver for scratches or like, uh, sort of like, uh, like, like, like the, uh, tines on a scoop on a, uh, backhoe or something like Mm -hmm. something that like is worn down to the bare metal. Um, that, crappy old silver paint that everybody like turns their nose up at that's still great for that kind of stuff um, interesting yeah it's weird um, it's, it's funny you say that because you know, i'm i'm trying out a new game uh called dust 1947 well it's, it's not new but it's oh, yeah, new no, yeah. yeah um and uh you know i, I want to do some more uh, intense weathering effects than i've done on, on the, the walkers that they make for that and I'm, this week i actually i just ordered a uh, set of vallejo um chipping medium and chipping sprays Mm-hmm. And that'll be my first time messing with any of that. But it's interesting to me here. Here he's talking about doing chipping um, physically with a with a knife. Yeah, um, most of the chipping I do is either I take the knife and I go back down to the bare plastic if I know what color plastic it was, <laughs> um, and that's honestly because I limbed it a, a lot of the time, so I'm aping that. Or um, I will paint, and it's funny. I just talked about this on in one of my dumb little YouTube's like. Uh, I use a German gray or I use a black that's got some purple mixed in it because like remembering all of my like oil painting uh, knowledge and, and, you know, lectures from college or whatever, you know, looking at a shadow, it's never black. It's like almost purplish. So, yeah. So like I'll do chipping with that and then I come in with a white and I hit it like on the edges to give it that sort of like depth or highlight. Like it's something that's 
you know, gouged or whatever. Um, and I use powdered pigments a lot too for that classic carbon scoring look or just airbrushed, you know, sort of a soot color. Um, just whatever, whatever works. AK Interactive makes a lot of really good stuff. Yeah, I have my eye on a bunch of their stuff. I know a lot of guys in the Brush Builders uh, Discord chat um, swear by AK Interactive when it comes to weathering. Yeah, all that, all the AK stuff is great. Um, uh, Mig, I think I followed him through three companies, and all all the stuff he comes up with is fantastic. He, there's this new stuff called Oil Brusher, and it's and it's an oil paint in what I swear is basically just liquid eyeliner, like bottle <laughs> like you unscrew it and it's just a long brush and i'm like yeah. this, is, this is like makeup for boys and it's oil paint um but it's great for just i don't have to open up i don't have to squirt anything onto a palette now i can just sort of dab it onto something and then come back with liquid or just odorless spin spirits and and just sort of pull it around so that's kind of cool too um and it's always evolving. Like every once in a while, somebody tells me like, hey, use this thing. And I'm like, oh, I'll monkey around with it. And if I like it, it goes into the the bag of tricks. You know, like I'm open to pretty much anything. Um, it's fun like uh, to, to learn a new uh, art supply. I don't know. I'm, oh, yeah. You know, I've always I, fetish, fetishized my art supplies. I'm like, oh, a new tool. Yeah. Tell me about yeah. it. I'm not too bad with the tools, but when it comes to the paints, I, I have a bad habit of picking up a paint that I just think is cool, even if I have no plan for it, or will ever use it. I uh, I am so well prepared for this pandemic. Like my basement looks like a hobby shop now because yeah. I have like I have <laughs> when all the hobby shops in town went out of business, I would swoop in like a vulture and be like, "How much for the rack?" So I have like a K and S metal rack, like with oh, all the wow. brass. I have like a full Tamiya paint rack, <laughs> like amazing. Well, a lot of it too was like Sideshow would say, Hey, we've got a paint master for you for you. We need this done, you know, like really fast. And I'm like, okay, cool. And if there's no hobby stores in town, I might not have time to get the paints I need in sure. you know, via mail order. So part of it was necessity, like I need this in-house at all times. Um, you know, like because a lot of the resin for the 3D printing uh gets cleaned uh with isopropyl alcohol, I had an undisclosed amount of bottles of 91% isopropyl <laughs> in my home. And it, I vividly remember it was February. It was mid-February. Somebody said, like, there's a run on that shit. And I'm like, fuck! You know, like, no! And I ran <laughs> to Walmart and it was gone. The cupboards were bare. And I was like, son of God! And I came home and I went on uh, the internet and I typed it in and it was, like, sold out everywhere. So I, like, you know, went like, oh, Christ. And I went to eBay and they had 99%. They had four gallons for a hundred bucks and that's pretty volatile stuff, but I thought I could water it down. Um, and I just went ahead and was like, yeah, fine. I can buy it now. Fine. And I'm so glad I did because it's sold out now, but before it sold out, they had doubled it. <laughs> it was like 200 bucks. Oh, and man. yeah, so it's going to get me over the hump, I hope. But um, yeah, it's, I don't like to advertise that I have rubbing alcohol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Strike that from the record. You don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the the miniatures hobbyist equivalent of that was uh, Citadel uh, Paints uh, Agrax Earthshade, which uh, I think bottles were selling for like 40 or $50 online a few weeks ago until Games Workshop started selling their mail order stuff again. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Uh, it's, 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 it's like a never-ending stream of things I like that either become discontinued or hard to find. And I'm like, is it my taste? Is it, did I like piss off a gypsy? Like, what happened? Like, uh skittles with lime like they replaced it with uh that green apple and threw off the flavor and ruined my life <laughs> like oh, those monsters <laughs> i know right like my friends like to tease me about it but i'm like this is serious business guys like it's not the same and uh, you will never convince me <laughs> otherwise and they, they should be tried in the hague yeah exactly okay. yeah so yeah, we talked a little bit about, um, I guess you use a lot of airbrushing for the stuff you do, but uh, you do do some hand brushing as well, obviously for chipping and things. I'm curious what kind of brushes you like for that work. Windsor Newton Series 7. My man. Yep, that's it. That's it and that's all. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny, almost every time I speak to a, a painter or a hobbyist on the podcast, you know, I, I always like to ask about their brushes. And I think I would say 90% of my guests have been like, yep, Windsor's Newton Series 7, number two. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a usually one or O or double O or triple O with the, with some of the stuff, but which is funny because you guys make miniatures, which are so much smaller than the ones models that I make usually. Right. 
Like, well, I think the uh, I think the thinking on that, and I, I I've used numbers. I, I a number two is my go to, but I have I have a number one and a zero I use on occasion. But um, is it loading it, just, it up with the color? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. I get it. Yeah. All right. And you know, you're, you're at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're, the tip is the same, more or less. Yeah. Um, it, it, you're almost using it like a sumier brush, where you're just like just bombing it with with liquid, and then you you don't have to keep going back to the well so much. I'll take your word because I have no idea what a sumier brush is. Uh, Japanese brush painting. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was the word for it, but yeah, you're, you're that, that's that's very correct. I think it's not quite as uh, see that's you're, you're not as much, but it's certainly a similar yeah, technique. That, that's my art supply store like nerdiness coming through. Like, it's weird. I just assume everybody knows what that is. Like, no, Jason, <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm obviously familiar with Japanese brush painting, but I just I didn't know that particular name. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I think I might be saying it wrong for all I know, but that's what we sure. Used to call it. Um, you know, I, I think the key difference between, you know, dealing with the uh, enamels and so or, or enamel similars that you're talking about and acrylics is, you know, you, you do tend to thin your paints with water um, and, you know, your, your brush flow is probably a little different um, just because of the nature of the paints. So, right. Yeah. Um, for airbrushing, my Tamiya, I and it's funny, too. OK, so when I thin them for airbrushing, I just put a bloop of leveling thinner in there and somebody will ask what is a bloop and i'm like i don't know dude i just pour it in and then i close it again and i shake it and then we're good a like, bloop is the right amount yeah Ooh. like when i cook <laughs> I'm like I, I don't go with teaspoons or tablespoons i go with that looks like a good amount and then like i taste it and i'm like yup or no and then i adjust but like uh i don't the the number one question i get asked and it was it's, it's, it's a joke it's like what shade of gray is that you know because 90% of the models that we make are some sort of gray and uh, I try to get them close. Uh, I pre-mix or I, I mix custom mix. That's the word. My colors every time. Uh, and sure. I, don't, I don't keep a log and this maddens people because there's this large, <laughs> there's this large segment of the population that I think are like paint by numbers about this hobby. And they're like, what's the formula for this? I just got this like three days ago from some dude. I don't know, but I'm friends with on Facebook apparently. And he's like, Hey, like what's your formula for the tie fighter. And that's such a sticky wicket because like, it's this weird blue color, but it looked gray on screen. And I preface it with, well, first off I paint mine incorrectly because I want them to look kind of grayish because that's what I saw. That's what I think a tie fighter should look like. I sure. know the physical prop was bluish, but to me, that's weird. And then they're like, yeah, but what's the color? It's TS32. TS32 to me is like a close spray paint color. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, sure. And they're like, well, what's the formula? And I'm like, again, I don't know. I, pre yeah. I I mix it every time I make a batch. I just do it by eye. Well, what do you do? And then you're like, do I really want to answer like, all right, go back in time, go to college and take three semesters of color theory with <laughs> Marie Linnikin. Like, there's no answer to that. I can't teach you color theory because i don't even know how to articulate it like i don't know and i don't even know if i'm right like don't like hold me accountable if somebody tells you that you're wrong <laughs> like i don't know so then i feel like an asshole because i'm like i don't know and then they think i'm being coy and that so it's it's a losing proposition yeah, fair enough yeah um that's cool so uh you know i'm gonna let you go in a couple minutes i don't want to keep you all day but you know is there anything you're working on right now that you're particularly excited about uh is there I'm working on a one twelfth scale X-Wing, which is like four feet long. Oh, wow. um, yeah, it's a slow burn. Uh, there's a group of us involved in that. When it's going to be done, it's going to be amazing. Um, sooner than later. Oh, yeah. OK, so I'm working on I have this like uh, I have this the tendency to pick the the like the underdog model, like the thing that no one cares about. So. Sure. I'm building the Tabana gas mine from Empire Strikes Back, which is that dopey floating mine facility uh, that's floating next to Cloud City in the special oh. editions. It's not even in the real movie. It's in the, <laughs> the, the, the version of it. Um, but Ralph McQuarrie's painting of it was really cool. And I thought, I can make this and nobody tells me that I'm wrong. This is perfect. And it's primarily was made because there was going to be a show in like a week for the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. But uh COVID-19 sort of kibosh that. Yeah. So, yeah. So I got to finish that. And then this one might tug at some people's uh, mind strings, whatever. Uh, the God Phoenix from Battle of the Planets. Do you know what that is? Gatcha Man. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, the when I was a little kid, Battle of the Planets was on TV, like right after kindergarten. And it's also G Force and it's also Gatchaman, but uh it's that plane that turned into a fiery bird, and I drew it up in Rhino as a design exercise, and then I started printing it. And I just arbitrarily picked one of the larger pieces that it would fit on the grow bed and then scaled everything to that. And as it was printing, I was like, this is going to be like two feet long. This is way bigger than I thought. So now I'm building this enormous. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's that's going to be really cool. And apparently it, it's hitting a lot of nostalgia points with friends because I've been getting some like, make it a kit messages. <laughs> I'm like, nah, sorry, it's a one off. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting into the whole kit thing. That's such a, everybody thinks they're going to get rich and all you do is get behind. Like I've seen yeah. it so many times. Like That's no tough thing. to get into. Yeah. What are you going to do? But uh, yeah, so the, the that, the Tabana gas mine, uh, what else? I don't know. The X-Wing. That's, that's really, um, that's really sort of motivating me. Oh, I'm building a X-Wing out of the old MPC kit. Uh, you know, just the old standard model kit that you get at the hobby store in the 80s. Um, but I'm, so I'm going to build it exactly as it was, all inaccurate and silly, but then give it a really nice paint job. <laughs> sure. Because I find that kind of fun. Um, yeah. You, you know, there, there's a there's a, a movement in uh, Wargame where people, it's called Old Hammer, where people take the uh, the Warhammer models from like the, the early to mid 90s or even earlier, um, which, you know, are models that, you know, they're, they're figures that, you know, maybe aren't really up to the, the levels of details and sharpness that you get today but have a yeah. lot of character yeah um and then applying like really high-end you know model uh, modern um painting techniques to them making these really beautiful figures out of these you know models that maybe don't fully uh <laughs> aren't really up to the task but you know with some really cool stuff anyway i think that's that's always a fun way to approach a project i love that i love that so much and that actually absolutely reminded me i uh sculpted ukla the mock from thunder the barbarian amazing um, yeah, I, I have him throwing the Volkswagen in 124th scale. He's almost oh, wow. done. Yeah, I need to finish him. That was also for this show that's now not happening uh, in a month or in a week or whatever. Um, the 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 uh, marching order was take something that was in an animation but was never made into a model kit. So I picked Ukla, and uh, the God Phoenix is also sort of a spinoff of that. And then I 3D printed a tooth about... I want to say like eight or nine inches across and I want to hand sculpt one of the cavity creeps from the crest commercials from the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know where this shit comes from. I don't know why. Uh, but good like, stuff. Yeah. I, I it was like, I'll 3d print the, the drill and I'll just make this blobby guy like standing there holding the drill all like, like victorious that he just made a cavity. It's perfect. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that I'm hand sculpting is a beholder. Um, but it's like the dopey original. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah the, where he's like kind of goofy with the one big goofy eye. I know like, exactly <laughs> when you're talking about. Yeah. He's got like scales kind of and, and like a turtle shell kind of um, the first edition book one, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, the, yeah. That, that one. So I found a taxidermy bear eye and then a bunch of taxidermy bird eyes and together they're terrifying. <laughs> so wow. Yeah, so I'm sculpting him out of Sculpey. I've I got like maybe twenty to forty percent of the way, and then it's like been sitting there for a year. So I should probably get back on that too. <laughs> I, I, that's the thing I gotta say. Like, you're talking about like Star Wars. I'm like, I want to see this fucked up beholder. Yeah, I'll um I'll send you some pictures. Like, <laughs> please do. Pretty cool. Yeah, and like I even was smart enough to like uh put a square brass rod into the back of him so that it's you know like he won't spin around once I mount him. Sure. I was really pleased with myself for that. And the, the idea was I want to make like uh, a dungeon wall that that's, you know, like just standing up like an L shape, like floor wall. And then he sockets into that. So it looks like he's yeah. floating from most angles. And then I thought like, maybe this will be where I try that specular lighting where it looks like, you know, like a torch is lighting him. Um, I don't know how ambitious that is because I've never even attempted that. I've just always seen it and been like, that's incredible. But oh, as, as a painting technique. Yeah. So it makes yeah. it look like. Yeah, that that stuff's amazing. Yeah, we, we tend to call it um object source lighting in in this hobby. Okay, sure, object source lighting. That one. Yeah, I, I, I think I might be using the incredibly wrong term. I I don't know, but I, I can't think I can't think of the uh, the reference off the top of my head. But I, I I know a book that's a really good practice reference for that. If you want me to send it your way, 
Absolutely, because I'm fascinated with that. Like somebody at the at a model show has been taking uh, figures and painting them to look like paintings or animations. So he did a Superman, and from front on, you know like front on angle, he looks completely two dimensional, like the illustration, like like a comic book. And yeah. then and then somebody did a Frankenstein bust, one to one scale, like full size, but painted it to look like that famous Monsters of Filmland painting where it's like uh-huh. all like rainbow colors and like i fell in love with that kind of stuff because it's so fresh and it's so like you know just uh just visually arresting like that's that stuff's cool yeah it, it, it is really cool and, you know one of the things so it's been going on for a little while is comic book sketch style painting in in wargaming miniatures um cool. and last year a marvel comics uh game came out um from atomic mass studios and that kind of spurred like a little bit of a renaissance and that so we're seeing these really cool like you know, they look 2Ds from certain angles, but you know they're 28 millimeter miniatures. Um, they look like they look like comic book drawings, and it's just it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of hard lines, and like somebody was doing um, uh, what do you call them? Those uh, Gundam models and making it look like a manga or whatever. I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I lo- I love astonishing. The yeah, yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> cool man. Well, it was really good talking with you. It's really interesting, yeah. and you know, you, you brought some perspectives we don't usually have on this, so I think everybody's gonna be really excited to hear it. Oh, awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, I've just sort of barfed out some words. Hopefully there's something in there. That's great. I, I, I could talk all day, but I, I got I got, a, I got somewhere to be, unfortunately. But uh, Jason, it was great talking to you. Hope to have you yeah. back on in the future. We can talk about some stuff you got coming up in the next few weeks or months. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, man. Take care. You too. Thanks. The Brush Builders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Brush Builders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushbuildersunion.com. Mm-hmm.